In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Did you have a favorite book or movie or TV show when you were a kid? Most of us did. Maybe when you were a teenager. Have you ever gone back and reread that book or watched that movie or that TV show as an adult? How was it? Campy, right? We sometimes we get that experience, right? It can be hard to visit our old favorites. Sometimes we learn they don't really hold up. What seemed like really good um, special effects back in the 70s or 80s or even before, right? Today we look at it and go, why did I ever think that piece of cardboard was a spaceship? Right? They don't hold up. But when you can find a true classic, and there are a few of them out there. You start to find new things in them, right? I was watching a movie with my kids a couple of years ago that I watched as a kid, and I always thought the parents were just mean. They didn't understand. And as I'm watching the movie this time around, guess what? I don't know why the kids are being such brats. The parents make perfect sense, right? But we have that experience sometimes. Sometimes we go back. And we understand things differently as we mature. Hold on to that for a few moments this evening. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying. Now it's interesting that our reading here begins with, with Jonah telling us that he's heard from God a second time. The book of Jonah in chapter 1, it's only four chapters long, starts with a very simple statement. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amity, saying, and then verse 2 is what God said. Verse 2 says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call it out, for their evil has come up before me. And you know what happens in verse 3? Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So in the first three verses of the book of Jonah, God speaks to Jonah, God gives him the message, and Jonah runs. Now Tarshish is in Spain. Historically, it's the location of a tin mine. And you have to go around the Straits of Gibraltar to get to it. There's not any place in Jonah's world that says any farther away from Nineveh as Tarshish. That's where Jonah runs off to. And we know the story from there, right? We got it in Sunday school once upon a time. Jonah takes off in the boat. There's a great storm. The storm is so bad, the fishermen are like, what do we do? Jonah admits he's the reason they're all going to die, so why don't you throw me overboard? Jonah gets thrown overboard. He's swallowed by a great fish, and that's the end of chapter 1. Chapter 2 is Jonah praying in the belly of this fish, and at the end of chapter 2, he's vomited back up on dry land. That's the second chapter. And now, here we are in the third chapter, and God is speaking to Jonah again, reminding him he needs to go to Nineveh. And he makes his way there. Now, Nineveh is in modern Iraq. It's on the, back, the bank of the Tigris River. It's in the city of Mosul today. So you hear stories from the Iraq War, and they say we were fighting in the city of Mosul. That's where Nineveh was. 
says that when he arrived in the city, it would take him three whole days, meaning from dusk till dawn, to walk across it. Jonah walks a day in and then starts calling out, 40 days more, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And what do the Ninevites do when they hear this? The Bible says the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. Everyone, from the king on down, fast and pray. The verses we didn't read this evening says that the king made a declaration telling everyone that they need to change and pray. And he ends that declaration by saying this, Who knows, this God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And that's when we hear verse 10. Verse 10 says, When God saw that what they did and that they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Now last week I said that Eli's response to God's judgment is fatalistic. The Lord's going to do what the Lord's going to do has never made sense to me. And this is one of those stories in the Bible that explain why it doesn't make sense to me. Now listen, in this story I understand Jonah. In the next chapter, which is the verse after chapter 10, or verse 10 there, it says, Jonah see, this, Jonah seemed, to Jonah this seemed very wrong, and he became very angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That's why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you're gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. Jonah didn't want to preach in Nineveh because he was afraid if he did, God would forgive him. Now, we can look and, and academically go, that's kind of messed up thinking. But in this broken world, there are times we're seeing the wrath of God poured out on our enemies. The thought of that can feel real good, can it? I understand that. The Assyrians, the empire that Nineveh was the capital of, were on the doorstep of Israel and about to invade them. They had a fierce reputation. And God could forgive them because they heard the word of the Lord and they changed. They repented. I understand the Ninevites here, too. Hold those thoughts for a couple of minutes. David writes, For God alone my soul in silence waits. Truly my hope is in him. David has told us that he trusts the Lord, but his life is not going the way he planned. He's been going through a time of trial, he writes in verses 4 and 5. He has enemies, and now he sings out to the Lord, In God is my safety and my honor. God is my strong refuge and my rock. David knows in whom he trusts. A little bit farther on, though, David writes this. God has spoken once. Twice have I heard it. The power belongs to God. And that's quite a poetic saying, isn't it? The Lord has spoken once. Twice have I heard it. But what does it mean? I think that it means that David is talking about something that we've all experienced because we just talked about it. That as we mature, as we mature physically and spiritually and emotionally, how we understand what is in the Bible changes. Because the words change? No. But because we do. Our perspectives, our willingness to hear what the Spirit is saying. Right? It's that small microcosm we get when we go back to our favorite, 
books and movies and TV shows from our youth. Sometimes we find out that what we loved as a kid, well, it's kind of campy, right? Kind of goofy. Our kids roll their eyes at it. But sometimes, sometimes we go back to those things we love and we see depths that we've never seen before. David says, steadfast love is yours, O Lord, for you repay everyone according to their deeds. It was true then and true now. God's mercy is new every morning. In our gospel it says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Now in Mark's gospel, remember that Mark starts with a very simple declaration in the first couple of verses that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. And then Mark has Jesus get baptized, tempted, and then immediately comes out declaring the kingdom of God is near. It's time to change. That's what repentance is at its heart. It's not simply being sorry about something. It's actually changing our lives. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now I'll admit, I was tempted to ask at the beginning here, but I'm not going to. How many of you have ever wanted to throw everything down and just leave a job? I think there have been times for all of us where we've daydreamed about just throwing everything away and leaving our job and going and do something else. Maybe it's just me, I don't know. But we don't actually do it. And in this case, Andrew and Peter aren't just leaving a job. They're leaving the family business. But here they hear Jesus' call and they go. Mark goes on to say, he went a little farther and he saw James the son of Zebedee and his brother John who were in their boat mending their nets. Immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. James and John here are working with their dad and they seem to be prosperous fishermen. How do we know this? Because unlike, James, because unlike Peter and Andrew, they have hired men sitting around their boats working too. And just like Peter and Andrew, James and John leave Zebedee. And they leave the hired men and off they go. And as they go, they do so having heard Jesus speak once. Yet we know that they don't fully grasp what the good news is. They take it to be the Messiah has come, and yes, that's part of it. But this year as we read from Mark's Gospel, there will be times when Jesus will tell them things over and over and over again. Now, I'll get a bit frustrated because I'll feel like a broken record. Because I'm going to repeat what Jesus says to them over and over and over again. And some of you are going to come in sometimes and wonder if you've wandered into some kind of a rerun. And that's like us sometimes too, right though? Sometimes God speaks to us over and over and over again. And we still don't understand what he's trying to tell us. How he's trying to mold and form us. And it's not until after the resurrection that Peter and Andrew and James and John are going to hear God hear that twice. All of those times when Jesus sounded frustrated. And he said things like, do you still not understand what I'm trying to tell you? Those moments that Jesus has with them, they don't fully understand until the resurrection happens. Paul writes, I mean, brothers and sisters, the appointed time has grown short. From now on, let even those who have wives be as though they've had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, 
and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no possessions, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. Now when we talk about readings that we need to hear twice, this short passage may be one of them. Remember last week I mentioned that the Corinthians were arguing over everything as a church? In chapter 7, Paul's been giving them instructions on things like marriage and life, reminding them that there's been a change in their lives because Jesus is there. But that doesn't mean that they get they go out and get divorces, doesn't mean they get circumcised if they're not, or that they run away and join the circus or start doing something else. He says, as much as you can, stay in the state in which you were redeemed. But here I think Paul's inviting the Corinthians to pursue what one commentator calls a radical reorganization of their priorities and perceptions of the current reality. Paul has told them that they're living in the time of the kingdom. That time that Jesus proclaimed was near is right now. But since Jesus said that, what happened? Christ has died, Christ has risen, and we believe that Christ will come again. Paul here is reminding them that the most important things in their life are no longer making money, no longer doing the things that simply make them feel good. Our mindset has to be one of the kingdom, of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Paul here is reiterating that we live in the kingdom that Jesus told Andrew and Peter, James and John, and last week, Philip and Nathaniel, that the kingdom was near. The one that David and Jonah saw glimpses of. One where God's mercy and love were evident to everyone. And one where we're called to live into that kingdom. Now thankfully, God doesn't normally call us to go and give the good news to our enemies like Jonah. But like we talked about last week, God does bring us opportunities to tell others to come and see who Jesus is. Amen.